0: You said you wanted to talk about some crisis leadership stuff, or yeah. potentially, that kind of goes back to the, we started off talking about that stuff. Jeez, when, when did we first record that episode? Was it oh in my summertime gosh. last it year?
1: Was, I'm going to pull it up just because yeah. yeah. it's crazy how long this has been going. Like
0: yeah. I'm,
1: yeah. On the website, we have five pages now. So wow. you know, our very first episode, oh no, seven pages. Wow, cool was episode one, Leading in a Crisis, and we talked about Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs,
0: and that was mm.
1: August 19th, 2020.
0: August 19th, okay. Yeah. We'll have to celebrate at some point.
1: What do you want to do, the year? Celebrate the year? Yeah, maybe the year. Yeah, yeah. maybe in person.
0: I was going to say, I, what's your, do you have line of sight to vaccines or no? hmm Yeah.
1: Yeah, we are volunteering at the Mega Center.
0: Oh, that's right. Yeah, you told me that.
1: Yeah, yeah Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week. Yeah. And so hopefully by the time this episode is released, we'll have been
0: vaccinated. That's going to feel good, dude. Real good. Speaking of Maslow's, there's actually a new book that came out. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, let's see. Let's see. It's a new book. Ah, yes. Here we go. So it is called Transcend by Scott Barry Kaufman. It's Transcend, the New Science of Self-Actualization. Have you ever heard of it? No. Yeah, so let me see, What it, who's this guy? He's a humanistic psychologist, okay, in the same vein as Maslow and some other people who I think all within that humanistic psychology realm, and the thing that was interesting is that he says that Maslow never put his hierarchy of needs into a pyramid.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, because it, it does say reimagined, which is mm-hmm. bold.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. What was it? A
1: hierarchy, I guess, doesn't necessarily have to be a pyramid. You could have an organizational hierarchy or mm -hmm. whatever. That
0: doesn't imply some structure, though. Right. Yeah, it does imply structure. I don't... You know, I didn't read the book, so I'll, I'll claim or make that disclaimer. I listened to a podcast interview of him. I think it was the Sam Harris podcast, Making Sense. And what this guy puts forward as... Another model of the hierarchy of needs is one of a sailboat, and um I'm seeing if I can find the uh, there we go I'll send you a I'll send you the link so you can look at it maybe we can talk about it get your oh, reactions i found it, it I found it on google okay yeah so
1: it's got like a sort of half circle with mm-hmm. three things and then a triangle with three things yeah. okay so it's safety connection self esteem at the bottom and maybe those are what keeps you afloat, keeps you from sinking and drowning. And then Mm -hmm. the sail at the top, the triangle, which also has three elements, is exploration, love, and purpose. And I guess, are those what push you towards self-actualization? Like, Is it it that literal in the metaphor there?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think the challenge with the hierarchy is that I think it's really easy to try to peg yourself at a particular level I even think we, we probably talked about that. It's, like, oh, the pandemic pushes us down lower on the hierarchy. There's this, there's this notion of you kind of have to go back up and come back down depending upon certain events that happen, you know, like a crisis. And I think the sailboat metaphor, this thing was like, hey, it's not like you're climbing up a ladder or this, this pyramid. Instead, you open up your sail. So it's like you need to have these lower, these base needs met, right? Safety, connection, self-esteem. And when you do that, you can unfurl your sail, right? Like you can open it up and that allows you to pursue the, the self-actualization, self-transcendence stuff that Maslow talked about. Yeah. And what, what he talked about, and I don't know the picture that you see, but there is one sailboat in the middle of my picture and has safety, connection, self-esteem as the, the hull. And then the sail is exploration, love, and purpose. But there's two other sailboats.
1: Yeah, I just shared my screen. Is that oh, okay. what you're seeing? Oh, okay. So the ones in the background are meaningful as well?
0: Yeah, there are other people. They, they are other uh, okay. people. And so the reason why the, the sailboat is cool for me is that we're, we're, we all have our individual journeys. We each have a sailboat. But we're all... And we may be going in different directions, like in our lives but we're all sailing on this vast, open, unknown ocean. And so I I really like that piece because so often when we talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's very singularly or individualistic, focused on the individual. But the, the sailboat here, it's like, hey, we're all on this ocean together. And at any point in time, a massive wave, like a pandemic, can come crashing down on everybody all at once and our sales have to come down right? like immediately our sales just come down and we have to focus on our base base kind of security, make sure we, we plug any holes, right? We don't sink and stuff like that. And uh, I don't know. I thought it was a cool metaphor and it, uh, yeah, I guess it, it, I was a huge fan of why well, I, I still am a huge fan of Maslow and the hierarchy of needs. This feels more like it maps to a, uh, reality a little better? I don't know. What's your take on it? Just with the the very little that you've read and seen and heard about at this point.
1: Yeah. Let me just start by saying I have a pet peeve, Charles, and I think you know this, but my, one of the biggest pet peeves I have, professionally speaking, is when you take a framework and you just change it or rename a couple of things and then Mm. you present it as something new and unique. Yeah. This is, he might be onto something here though. Like at first I was thinking, wait, you reimagine Maslow's hierarchy. That could make sense because there's not really a time element, for instance. How do you build trust rapidly? Where do you start? Like, how? Do, there's a few things that maybe you could augment or talk about, hey, here's how this pyramid fits into a specific situation. I had a, a little bit of an open mind when it said <clears throat> reimagined. I was thinking, okay. But this guy, Scott Barry Kaufman, I, and I found the article. So I have the image right in front of me that you talked about. I have an article that he wrote where he's saying some of the same things that it looked like he was talking about on the podcast, and I'm so interested that like I just bought the book too mm. I just one click bought it on mm-hmm. Amazon that's cool yeah yeah, so th- this idea of and and I'm very metaphor mm-hmm, thinking, mm-hmm. so metaphors make sense to me like that those are what helped me make sense of the world, which is why I'm always trying to relate things back to sports or whatever, just because it's easier that's what actually how I come to understand stuff and thinking about the interaction between boats in an ocean which can represent your life like over time or the interconnection between you and other people in a social fabric like all of that makes sense and then what he says here is if you have holes in your boat you can't go anywhere all of your focus is directed toward increasing the stability of the boat that's so true and if you thought if you think about having wind flowing in the right direction some there's this thing called tacking too when you're mm-hmm. sailing right where you're actually pointed in a different direction based on how the wind is going, but you're not going in that direction. You're going in the direction you want to go. Mm-hmm. And so there's like lots of ways I think you could take and, and move in this metaphor and think about your well-being and the well-being of, of the people that you lead by extension. I'm really intrigued. Like, I hope the book is good. Oh. It had good reviews yeah, on Amazon. The
0: guy, the guy seemed like he knew his stuff and, and it's not like he's... I, I think he does... You know, the the sales is pretty obvious. I, I don't remember Maslow's hierarchy, but exploration is not something that is in Maslow's hierarchy. And so I, I believe that the exploration, love, and purpose is the reimagined part of self-actualization. Because you don't see self-actualization on this, in, on the sailboat, you know, as part of this metaphor.
1: Yeah, that's a, that is a short term from what it looks like the article is saying a short-term experience flow that you come in and out of mm-hmm. when your sale is moving forward and you are able to have purpose, love, exploration, and you're not thinking about self-esteem, connection, safety, and're like your life is moving in a direction. it w- would be the equivalent of self-actualization or the approximation mm-hmm. of self-actualization, which is actually more practical. That makes sense to me. yeah Sometimes you're like, what does it mean to be self-actualized? Mm-hmm. But the Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah, because you have psychological and safety needs at the bottom, mm-hmm. so it's like a five-step pyramid. Those are your basic needs, psychological safety, and then you have belongingness and esteem, which are your psychological needs, yep. and you have self-fulfillment at the top, which is self-actualization. Yeah. And you can say things like what we said in episode one so long ago, which is in a professional environment most of the time, when things, especially over the past 10 years, we've been focusing on psychological needs, right? belongingness, esteem, we haven't had to address safety and psychological unless there's some kind of event Mm -hmm. that comes up. That's an exception. But now the basic needs, addressing those first is the rule, like going straight into a work conversation with that. How did you fare in snowmageddon? Or what's the vaccine situation like? Or how are you feeling? Because you or your family or the people you're talking to may... Be dealing with like COVID or one of these you know massive waves that you talked about before. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this is a really interesting way to look at it. I'm really intrigued.
0: Yeah. What, what I like about the sail is that I'm not a sailor. Maybe, maybe you are. Not tacking, uh, which i would heard no. of, but I don't really know anything about. No, I'm. I, I don't know much about it. So you can fully open your sail, or you can partially open your sail. You know, you can unfurl the sail. Maybe that's the phrase. And so. That's a really cool part of this metaphor, too, because especially now, like it's things are still really bad, but things are getting better in terms of the pandemic. More people are getting vaccinated, cases are going down. Let me
1: interrupt you right there. I was on a meeting; seven people, five were vaccinated, two weren't. Yeah, yeah. Like, and so now, like more people have gotten a shot than have gotten sick. Mm -hmm. You've seen the curve just completely fall off a cliff. So, I think it would be hard to say that we are. Uh, not closer to the end than the beginning. And we had a feeling around the end of last year, and we're only about halfway through this thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, I think there's a lot of light at the end of this particular tunnel. Right,
0: yeah. And so I think now, even though we talked about this first, the wave came crashing down on all of us in, in 2020. Right now, I think as leaders, we can start thinking about how do we ourselves and how do we encourage others to begin to unfurl their sales? Because it's not like you can just fully open it at will. It's not like a light switch. Your sail is up or down. It takes effort. You got to pull on the riggings and all that sort of stuff to raise it. You know, to full mass. And yeah, whatever. and
1: it's incremental. Yeah, yeah right. It's a spec. Yes,
0: and there's probably danger if you try to raise it. You know, too fast, especially with fast winds, on stuff like that or rough. Oh, seas. of
1: course there is, man. You, you and I have faced points in our career alone, not to mention personal life, where we move too fast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what ultimately happens is you run into a brick wall yeah. or I guess a coral reef or whatever would yeah. make sense in the analogy.
0: So it's this, this unfurling of the sail. It, it, there's this, maybe not exponential, but it, it's certainly not linear. It's like the more you open yourself, aka unfurl the sail, the further your boat is going to go. Right? So there's this, if you focus on exploration, love and purpose, it's like there's, you can cross more ground. That's not the right thing. Phrase because you're on the you're on the sea, but you can go further, and that's a really cool part about this metaphor. Right, it's like you can you get a little taste, open up your cell a little bit, you have one of these peak experiences, at right, the flow state, and uh, you can prioritize and organize your life. And this kind of goes back to some of our positive psychology discussions around how do you get more into the flow by being challenged, focusing on your strengths, and stuff like that, and uh, and you can eventually explore more, navigate this. And to me, the sea, the sea is really life, right? Like it's, to me, it's just pretty clear. Like the vast unknown of the sea is essentially our lives. And you can go through your life. If you are unlucky and born into really crappy circumstances, you can live your whole life focusing on plugging holes in your boat, right? Making sure that you don't sink and, but maybe as leaders we need to encourage people that it's okay to you know, I want to say take risks or be vulnerable. You're gonna open up your sail just a little bit, test the winds, see how the boat moves and holds up you know, under that pressure and strain. And I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I'm not saying people should go out and party. I'm not saying take those oh, risks, man. but yeah. it's more about hey, it's it's I don't know what I'm trying to say, man.
1: You've hit you you've struck. Like you've been mining as you've been thinking about this and as we've been talking about it and you've just struck some like metal and you're like, man, what is that? Because you, I think you've hit exactly on the head or meandering around maybe (laughs) A, a, a real like issue, material issue of what it means to be human today moving forward. And that's we've been in survival mode and had this low grade chronological tension for a year and we've all shared it, and it's going to be really hard to do stupid little things, go to a restaurant and have a meal without being stressed out. Like I can't before, and my wife and I like eating out, that's exploration. We would go to the Food and Wine Festival at the Dallas Arboretum, and we try stuff that we've never tried before. And we'd go and purposely walk up to people and talk to them about what they're trying. It's so easy to start a conversation there, and that was like a, a really cool love slash exploration thing that we did. We look forward to it every year. We, you get commemorative wine glasses. Like it's a whole thing. So that's like a micro thing. We haven't been to a restaurant in a year. Like We're not going to be able to go do something as simple as go out and eat without being stressed out the first time we do it. Not to mention like kids going back to school, going back on site at wherever you work, being in that first meeting, How are you going to get stuff done and be productive in the very first meeting where everyone is in the room together when we're all back at work again? Like these, that's part of the effort required and the intricate knots you have to tie and untie and move around to sail your boat forward, you know, collectively with the people around you. And that's going to be a really challenging thing to do. And we are not going to instinctively be in a position to open that sail up and move forward at the pace at an appropriately fast pace, we're going to be reserved, I think, collectively for a while. Yeah,
0: yeah. When I think the boat is safety, connection, self-esteem, right? That's the boat. The first, the bottom part of the sail is exploration. And I guess from a leadership standpoint, maybe what we should be doing with our teams is we should embrace this idea of like we need to go explore. It's it's time to, you know, dig ourselves out of a hole. And, And- that, that might mean, hey, if you use your personal judgment, and maybe it does mean you're ready and safe to go to a restaurant. But it could also be, hey, we've, we, it's time to go explore a new way for our team to operate in a remote environment with our clients. It, it's time where there's enough security where we can, maybe that's what it means. instead of risk taking. I was like, let's go explore. Let's go try to do something new and interesting and different. And fun and and let's experiment with certain things and and encourage that on our teams because I I think yeah everybody's just been hunkered down let me just do my job keep my head down stay busy take care of myself and my family and those are all good things but that that just keeps you down in the boat you're going to stagnate and not grow as a result.
1: So what Scott Barry Kaufman says on his website is, security is primarily concerned with defense and protection. Exploration is motivated by curiosity, discovery, openness, expansion, and understanding. Openness, I think in this case, he means like creativity. Mm -hmm. And so that is a different kind of thing where you may feel in a situation, whether you're at work or personal life, defense, protection in a situation that before would have been more of a discovery. And so I think the awareness of, hey, this could be going on when you feel that tension, you feel in your chest, I think it would be worth asking the question like, hey, is this an opportunity to apply some curiosity, some creativity to a situation? Is this a situation that warrants protection that we've been in this mode for 12 months? Or do we need to rewire, unwind some of that and go into a more exploratory mode? So I do think you're right, exploration. Is probably the key to unfurling the sales. Is that, I don't know if that's right, but I understood it when you said it. So we'll we'll go with unfurling.
0: I mean, I I think, yeah, there's, you know, I I think I mentioned there's some, we as leaders, we have to be vulnerable and kind of put ourselves out there and maybe lead by example in terms of that exploration first to show people that it can be done. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think practically about what that would look like. And I'm not sure it's coming to me at the moment. What what would exploration look like on a day-to-day basis with a team that we're leading? You know, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: I do think there's a purpose thing which we tapped into. So let me maybe I'll back, back into that where we spent a lot of time talking about how to make sure the people on our teams are engaged in productive, meaningful activity, right? Not everyone is the same level of busy. We had all this churn going on midway through the year last year as we tried to reformat what people were doing. And one of the big things that we discussed and tried to keep a bead on was, are people actually working on activities, projects, teams that are doing productive work as a way to approximate purpose? Mm. And when you're stuck at home alone, that's a helpful thing. And then when you get back into love, part of the professional equivalent of that is forgiveness. We talked about this last week, assuming positive intent of the people around you and when you make mistakes and when, other ma- when others make mistakes. It's, hey, this is a tough time. Maybe there's more benefit of the doubt you could afford others when maybe you wouldn't when times were good. And so then if you back back into exploration, you can start asking questions. I've been asked a few times this week, or at least more than normal, hey, when are we getting mm-hmm. together? What if I went off the books and scheduled yeah. this thing where some people could show up if they yeah. wanted to? How would we make that work? And so I think you you start to see not only... People experiment with social, the mm-hmm. social side, exploring the social side of, of connecting. But also, we're talking about what is the team going to look like when we all are back in the office? What do we do if the clients we're at or the company we work for reduces, cuts their office space in half? What's all that going to look like? So,
0: See, I don't know. Some I, of them, I think. I, oh, I want, to me, I wonder if that's still the boat. Like, hey, what if we get together thing? Because right? that, that's a connection. I think that's a connection need that uh, has been unmet because of the virtual nature of things. Like I, I'm uh, in the background of this graphic for people that can't see it. There's the sail, but the air or the sky in the backdrop is labeled growth. And yeah, I was reading some stuff here about um, self-actualization because it's it's not listed here. And what this author says is that Maslow got some criticism about self-actualization because it's really this ambiguous hodgepodge of characteristics. and. It's hard to yeah, know what it means. Yeah. yeah. And, and he, he actually says that Maslow, in his later writings, used a different term. It's a phrase, really. And the phrase is fully human. And so self-actualization is the process of growth that leads towards actualization. It's not something that you ever attain. It's the whole... It's an ongoing evolutionary process of growing towards your... What we'd say in our company, towards our highest potential. And so maybe we should focus on, on the growth opportunities for those on our team. And,
1: and maybe the
0: connections too. So the, uh, bringing in mm-hmm. the other yeah. yeah, and that, that's, yeah. Oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah, it's like the more you unfurl your sail, starting with exploration, um, allows you to navigate and traverse this sea. And there's other sailboats out there on the sea too. And so as you begin to unfurl your sail and move, you can move and navigate and interact with other sailboats too. So I like that, yeah. Maybe there's growth opportunities that, that we can point out and encourage our team to explore together. And yeah.
1: uh, I was thinking of an example. So this podcast is a great example of what was rooted in security for Yumi and Igor, who's not here, by the way, today. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned that. He's otherwise engaged. He didn't get tired of us. He'll be back <laughs> next week. So if you think about it, and, and I'm I'm pretty sure we talked about this, I would be curious for you to confirm or reject what I'm about to say. But this was a connection thing, you me, and Igor did. That's why it's called "Want to Grab Coffee." It's because we grab coffee five, six times mm-hmm. a day. It seems we had coffee all the time together, and we'd have such great conversations around our careers, our organization, what we're doing at work, give each other advice, support each other. That was a huge yeah. career boon. And you unplug that for three months, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's left a hole. And we started it as connection. And we pretty quickly have moved into our transitioning to Mm -hmm. exploration, right? Where we're we're thinking about these things out loud, like in real time, and trying to decide how we can be better leaders or help our teams more. And this is not something that I was aware of an hour ago. And so we're definitely in this more of a growth exploration type mode, and that was an experiment. Yeah. We had no clue if this was a good idea. We, we still don't, really don't know.
0: But yeah, know. that's I think that's the beauty of it. And also, I would say there's a we're pretty aligned in terms of purpose too of this. Yeah, it may have started off as connection for sure, but we're, we also I think all agree independently. We we probably arrived at this independently too. But this is something that brought us together is that we're doing this and sharing this publicly because we want to you know help the next generation of leaders to grow them so that they, they can go on and do great things. And yeah, yeah, you're right. The podcast is a nice little uh, test here for, for this metaphor.
1: I like this. I'm really glad you shared it. Yeah, me too. It's pretty cool.
0: But I'm, I'm trying to see here.
1: It's more approachable to me. Like I, I feel like I get it more. Like I, every time I think about Maslow's or I want to work it into something, I have to bring up the pyramid and I have to consume it again and rebuild up the mental model around mm-hmm. it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? This is much more approachable. Yeah. And so even if it was a knockoff, it like yeah. which I don't yeah. think it is, but it's presented in a way that, I don't know, it's Like I, yeah. I just get it. I'm normally skeptical about this type of stuff. Let me
0: read some quotes here that I found in an article from the book, I believe, that can help to illustrate the differences or why the boat. So you don't climb a sailboat like you'd climb a mountain or a pyramid. Instead, you open your sail. The more you open yourself to the world, the further your boat will go. The sailboat isn't a pinnacle, but a whole vehicle that helps us to explore the world and people around us, growing and transcending as we do. That's, I think that's the part that I like the best, is that it's got the, the sea and the other boats. <laughs> so we're not, we don't navigate life as individuals. It's, we're all interconnected see what else here
1: and just a quick fact note too this was released in april mm. of 2020 so yeah. yeah how timely
0: yeah okay so he combined physiological and psychological needs because they're so deeply intertwined which makes total sense like our physiology and our psychology are intertwined that absolutely makes sense the sale represents a growth is a spirit of exploration Love and purpose build on the fundamental need for exploration to reach higher levels of integration and to contribute something meaningful to the world. Yeah. And then the whole, we haven't really talked about the transcendence piece, but I think the idea is that motivated by exploration and love, the purpose piece is something that simultaneously benefits yourself and the world, which is why it's outside of the boat. The transcendence is the little seagull.
1: Oh, that's why he yeah, talked about yeah. integration, like yeah. into society. Yeah. Okay. So the yeah.
0: sea- seagulls, hey, you're, you're above, you've got a higher vantage point than your individual boat and other boats in the sea. You've got this birds, literally bird's eye view, I'm kind of looking down on things as this transcendence piece.
1: You can see that more, maybe in a less lofty example, in your career when you were the first one or two years out of school, mm. there's so much mm-hmm. stuff you didn't know. Now you can have if you have someone on your team who just came out of college, you have a bit of a bird's eye view where you can help mentor in a way that you certainly couldn't when when you're yeah. in that same position. And that that came from yeah, so career really. growth. And so this there there are some tests I guess you could apply to this metaphor model that seem to work. Yeah, I can I'm trying to find something wrong with that. I can't. So
0: do you know Carl Rumpers? That's good, man. I think he.
1: Yes, that name sounds yeah, really I think familiar. He
0: and Maslow were. I think they're known as the the founders of this humanistic approach to psychology.
1: Oh, Carl Rogers was the yeah he was the he pioneered that like some of the when you're mm. like one on one talking
0: like the active listening oh, is that he's, him? He's one of the founding fathers of psychotherapy. Is that him? So like talk talk therapy.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I thought it, it, that name. Sounded this similar. wasn't the other name that, that I was
0: thinking of earlier when I was talking about humanistic psychology. I, Maslow are typically talked about when you think of humanistic psychology yeah man i don't know i don't know yeah and this
1: transcend book is transcend is uh rooted in positive psychology which Mm. we have a
0: whole series on
1: so this uh, aligns with or at least should align with the completely
0: forgot about yeah yeah that was i don't know if you remember there was one time when i was talking to you and igor and saying the positive psychology has was born out of the the humanistic psychology stuff of maslow I remember making that comment to y'all a while ago. It was because of this podcast interview. Yeah, you know, positive psychology, I think, was really meant to extend the work of Maslow and now Scott Barry Kaufman with a scientific lens. But right? they they positive psychology is all about yes. finding the and testing it, measuring the impact, but all the rigor of, you know, scientific research they're trying to bring to this humanistic psychology roots, and so that I think that's why I. This is very approachable. Positive psychology and its interventions are interventions are very rigorously studied and designed. So it's it's yeah, they're yes. absolutely complementary.
1: And what a gift, right? What a gift to society because the idea of the fundamental building blocks and foundation of, of positive psychology just mm-hmm. resonates with me mm-hmm. so much more that this is a. An approach to flourishing and to achieve well-being, not a, we're going to come in with a scalpel and try to cut out these yeah. negative things, right? Which both sides have utility and value, especially on the sort of tail mm-hmm. ends mm-hmm. of the bell curve. So it, it's not yeah. like you can yep. throw one away. But for the those of us who are in the day-to-day kind of ho-hum situation that the positive psychology gives a, a mm-hmm. huge boost. You know, I guess or maybe it's better said for the periods of life where you're not on one of those tails and you're more towards the center of the bell curve, you have a, a more uh, positive and growth-oriented way to, to look yeah. at the world,
0: which is- cool. I just, I can't imagine. When was the first time that you heard about Maslow's hierarchy? Because I'm pretty sure I heard about it.
1: I thought it was in school, but I don't know that maybe- It must have been five, six, seven years ago, though, where I really felt like I was told about it in a way where I could maybe conceptualize it, if that makes sense. I don't
0: think I really thought about it until I entered the professional world, and we talked about Maslow's hierarchy as one of the foundational kind of frameworks that we use internally at our company to help us design our organization, but also to think about our solutions for our clients and stuff like that. I, you know, I guess I'm just I'm a little in I guess I'll feel very lucky that I was born in a time period where humanistic psychology is a thing. Like, what would the world be like before? If, if we were born into the world before Maslow you know, did all of this work around the hierarchy of needs, a company like ours wouldn't exist, I would guess. Because right? it's, it's like this whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There's a fundamental assumption that humans you know, strive for growth it's a like a human imperative yeah go for it yeah yeah.
1: you ready okay so this is maybe pure happenstance the maslow's hierarchy of needs was developed Mm -hmm. in 1962 so you could say maybe that the the wave of positive psychology and and what you were just talking about started Mm -hmm. in 1962 carl rogers was 1902 born Mm -hmm. 1902 so 19, and yeah. like 1900s. Have you heard of Rudyard Kipling? He,
0: oh, he wrote okay. The Jungle
1: Book. Yeah. He wrote this amazing poem mm. to his son called If. Oh, I think we've talked okay. about it before. Yeah. So let me, let's see. I'll just, mm. I'm just trying to find it. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all, all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. Mm. It goes on. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, you know what, if you can, let's see, let some of the silence out. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. the same, right? <laughs> There's a lot of like dense yeah. wisdom in this poem. And the mentality around it, if you can t- make one heap of all your winnings, risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and mm-hmm. never breathe a mm-hmm. word about your loss, right? Like that kind of stiff upper lip, that poem mm. was written in 1895, mm. and so that like you you had the mentality I think to answer your question. It's a very long-winded way to answer your question. Is you had this grin and bear it, white knuckle yeah. kind of yeah. mentality, and now we're getting into a more nuanced and which is again like super important. Like what it this is a poem that mm. I'm gonna mm. I read to my kids, and it's gonna be part of our life. It's so important. It's one of my favorites, especially mm. when you listen mm-hmm. to Jocko Willen mm-hmm. read it. And like, if you search for that, it hits on a whole nother level. That's the mentality. And now we're in this. Now we're talking about there's, there was not so much in there about growth and flourishing and exploration and love and, and purpose. This was about, hey, yeah, if yeah. you can endure the hardships of life, mm-hmm. then the world is yours. And this is if you can explore and love and move forward and yeah. grow, then you can transcend. And those are two different messages, and both very
0: important. Yeah. You're so, but those right, are different dude. messages. Yeah, this, this is, uh, man, yeah. This reads very, yes, yeah, this I pulled up. I'm looking through it. It reads very stoic, detached, like you're detached yes, from Yes, That's right. Yeah, you know, it's uh, which there's a whole unpacking that we can do there. I know we've talked about maybe stoicism being a topic there. And yeah, it has a very stoic, like the feeling, like the tone of life that this describes. Like, like you said, the grin and merit is very different from the tone one feels when you think about flourishing because you you're you're leveraging your strengths and you you've got purpose driving you and you have these rich relationships. That, yeah, the tone is just so different. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he went
1: through World mm-hmm. War One, I'm pretty sure, if I have the yeah. dates right in my head. And I think that's it. But I, I think that there there is a mm-hmm. there's a mm-hmm. truth yeah. to both of those yeah. areas yeah. too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man, we've uncovered some things. I don't know how helpful they are but uh, to others, but I feel yeah. really good about this. I bought the book. I'm going to check it out. I'm off next week, so maybe this will be my leisure yeah, activity I, I to, a
0: to book get through it. I bought a book called The Intellectual Life by a French philosopher. I don't know. I'm going to be reading that one. I, I've been doing a lot of own reflection on what does it mean to be a thought leader and how can I help others create thought leadership. And uh, I stumbled upon that one. And uh, it's, it's like a practical manual. that's pretty interesting. So on the other side of our, our break, we'll have to share what we learned you know, maybe in another podcast yeah. episode. Hey,
1: thanks for sharing this today. This was really interesting. Yeah. I'm excited yeah, to, to learn good. more. Absolutely. Can I share a quote with you before we go? So uh, this is by James Stockdale, James hmm. Bond Stockdale, United Navy hmm. Vice Admiral and in Vietnam, he was a prisoner of mm-hmm. war for over seven years. So you could say that he has met life's worst experiences. And he ha- there's this quote called the Stockdale Paradox, where he says, you must never confuse the faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, mm-hmm. whatever they might be. And that's, I think, sums up, What the if by Rudyard Kipling, the Stockdale paradox, those Mm -hmm. are in the security, Mm -hmm. those are in the boat side. And I think those are useful for when you're plugging holes in the boat. Mm -hmm. Continue this metaphor. That's the security piece. There are everybody, that's something we all share as humans, is we all are in those terrible situations that confront safety, connection, self esteem. And I think having this, confronting these, the facts of your current reality and doing what's possible across whatever time frame is possible to get into that exploration, love, purpose, growth towards transcendence, well, that's mm-hmm. a very mm-hmm. important transition mm-hmm. to make. Can't rush it, but yeah. it's important that it happens, I think.
0: That's great, man. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah. Take care. Man. It was good Take talking great. to you. All right.
1: All right, bud. Thanks. Have a good one. Enjoy your week right. off. That's it for today. Thanks for joining. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at WannaGrab Coffee or drop us a line at hello
0: at com.